0: Apologies that the service is a little late starting um, we've had um, The inevitable technical um, issues to sort out after Aidan had been in yesterday and uh, got everything working perfectly But such is life a warm welcome to our first live streamed service from church And Rachel's uh, lifting her hands up with a great hallelujah there Our service this morning is a morning prayer the theme which Rachel will be preaching on later is is the empowering spirit and we'll be uh, looking later on um at uh, the first half of acts chapter four which rachel will be preaching from Um, we don't have much else in the way of notices but i would like to draw your attention to these new banners on the wall behind me and and there are two on the walls beside me which we can't show you on the um the uh, the video this morning These have been made by Sandra Nicholas during lockdown, and they are well worth a look at. I've taken some photographs, and I'll publish them in um, Christchurch Chronicles this week, for those of you who want to have a better look. But Sandra, thank you very much indeed for those. They are absolutely superb. So let's turn to the presence of the Lord Jesus. He says, when two or three are gathered together, there he is in their midst. Uh, I knew that at the time he said that he hadn't heard of electronic gathering, but it is t- as true today as it, is, as it was when he said it. And Jesus is with each one of us now. His Spirit is with us, His Spirit to heal us, His Spirit to redeem us, to he- His Spirit to encourage us is with each one of us. And as the theme of our service this morning is the Holy Spirit... I thought we'd start with a half a verse from 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul reminds us that nobody can say Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit is moving within him. My word's not his. So let's start by, uh, with a hymn that proclaims that Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus. All hail the power of Jesus' name and crown him Lord of all. And let's do that in our lives now. Revelation we read worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and we remind ourselves that Jesus allowed himself to be slain to take our sins to take our sinfulness to take our griefs to take our sorrows to take our sicknesses to take our diseases upon himself so, in a moment of quiet, let's bring those things to Him. And let's remind ourselves again that He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. St Paul reminds us that Christ Jesus died to save sinners so let's bring our sins to the foot of the cross and leave them there and now instead of looking at ourselves and our sinfulness let's look at Jesus who made an end to all our sin and let's again look at him on the cross and then look at him risen from the dead as we sing our next song together The moon and stars, they wept.
1: Great.
2: Hello, my name's Mark. Yes, in 1991, we wanted our daughter Helen christened. And uh, so I rang the local vicar up and to ask him what was involved. And and he said, oh, well, before we do anything like that, we'd like to come and have a talk with you. Hello, my name's Mark. Yes, in 1991, we wanted our daughter Helen christened. And uh, so I rang the local vicar up and to ask him, what was involved, and, and he said, oh, well, before we do anything like that, we'd like to come and have a talk with you. And, um, you yeah, know, a bit of a process to go through. And to be honest, me and my wife were a bit put out that there was a process. We thought it was our right to have our daughter christened. Anyway, uh, Len the and his wife, Meg, came round one evening to see us and another couple at our house. And they showed the video with uh, Jesus knocking on the door. And uh, they sort of set out what we needed to think about and what we had to do before Helen was christened. So, over the next um, six or seven weeks, we attended church, and uh, at the end of that, there was a Thanksgiving service for Helen, and Helen was christened not long after that. I certainly felt during that time that there was something happening, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I was interested, I was intrigued. So, anyway, Len, Megan, Len came up to me and said, "Would you like to come and to do a called a circle up at the vicarage over twelve weeks?" And I thought, well, "Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. That would give me a chance to explore a bit more." So I did the call to serve course up at the vicarage and towards the end of that course, I actually gave my life to Jesus. Um, it was incredible and um never looked back. And what I do remember, really remember, was um, at this time, at that time, um, my wife, that Christmas had given me a Bible and the Bible just came alive. It, it had meaning, it had, it, it meant something, nothing like it had ever done before. You know, I'd done scripture at school and it, we'd read stories out of the Bible, but this was something different and it was incredible. And um, yeah, as I said, in I, and, and September, 1993, at the court, I won that course, I gave my life to Jesus and uh, acknowledged him as my savior. And I've never looked back. Thank you.
3: Okay.
0: Thank you, Mark. We're now going to have our reading, which Pauline Jackson is going to bring to us this morning.
3: Our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 4. Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The priests and the captain of the temple guard And the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved.
0: Before Rachel comes to speak to us, let's pray for her together. Lord, we thank you for Rachel. We ask your blessing on her now as she brings your word to us. Lord, will you bless her with the the anointing of your spirit That her words might be your words, Lord. Lord, will you pour out the richness of your blessing on her now as she brings your word to us. Amen.
4: Amen. Thank you, John. Before I start, I just need to say how exciting it is to be able to do this from church. To say thank you to uh, the tech people that made this possible and to John for sorting everything out as well. Now, I wonder who comes to mind when I say the word powerful to you. Perhaps it's Boris Johnson. Maybe the Queen. Perhaps an old school teacher. But what if I just use the word power? Perhaps something different comes to mind. Maybe a power drill, a battery, a nuclear power station. I wonder if any of you think of yourselves as having power. Today I've been given the title not of The powerful spirit, but the empowering spirit. If you are powerful, you can just tell other people what to do. It isn't necessarily for their benefit. But to be empowering means to enable others to be stronger and more confident. And this is what Jesus promised in the Holy Spirit, the advocate. In our reading today, we have the Apostles Peter and John, and I'm going to begin by focusing on Peter, also known as Simon, or Simon Peter. Now I think Simon Peter is great. If we go back to what we hear about him in the Gospels, we have a disciple who is known for his passion, his excitement, and also for doing things impulsively. This is a disciple who is very human, a disciple who loves Jesus, yet makes mistakes, who often thinks he is doing the right thing, only to find himself being told off a moment later. In Matthew 16, he both boldly declares that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and yet then he decides that he knows better than the Son of the living God by disagreeing when Jesus starts to explain the way he will have to suffer. Peter believes one thing and declares it, yet his actions don't always match up. And I am possibly more like the early Peter than I care to admit. Hopefully, I am less of a bull in a china shop type. But still, I will happily declare that Jesus is the Son of God. Yet the next moment, I'm able to come up with excuses for not sharing my faith with someone. I don't know how each of you feel about sharing your faith. There was a time where I would tell anyone who asked, and many that didn't, that I was a Christian. But I didn't necessarily act like it, so not the greatest witness. But there were, and probably still are also times, where I will keep my mouth shut, because I am scared of being challenged about my faith, instead of trusting that the Holy Spirit will teach me what to say. In the notes for the series we have been following, that will be emailed tomorrow, it suggests that when it comes to witnessing to our faith, most of us are either dinosaurs Or chameleons not because most Christians have the skin of a reptile or similar but because there are those who are insensitive to the atmosphere or feeling of a place they charge right in don't listen to the question but make sure that everyone knows that Jesus is the answer these are the dinosaurs or like a chameleon we try and blend into the background afraid of being asked questions we won't be able to answer. Perhaps Christchurch can be a church that breaks those two stereotypes of evangelism because we are aware and we are open to the empowering spirit. Moving back to Peter, my hope is that being reminded of his story will inspire and empower us. Peter the one we have seen being very human, making mistakes and seeing things from a worldly perspective rather than a godly one. Peter, the compulsive talker who interrupted the discussion between Jesus, Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration and answered, even though no one had asked him anything. But this is the same Peter, who a chapter before our reading today healed a lame man and pointed away from himself, towards Jesus. And today, we see him able to respond to the rulers and elders eloquently and clearly. He doesn't jump on the defensive. He doesn't argue with anger or malice. He speaks firmly as someone who is sure in who he is, and is sure of who Jesus is. This is a man who has been empowered by the Holy Spirit. No longer impulsive, this speech to the elders is focused and considered. In the verse after our reading today, we see Peter and John being called unschooled and ordinary. But their ability to stand up to authority is anything but unschooled and ordinary. Because he is filled with the Holy Spirit, the empowering spirit, Peter is able to quote Old Testament scripture with confidence and relate it to Jesus. The stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone, and through the Holy Spirit, we will be able to declare that when we need to. So back to what comes to mind when we say the word powerful. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is powerful in the way he empowers even the unschooled and ordinary to declare their faith in Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit can do that for Peter, he can do that for me and you. Jesus promised his disciples that they wouldn't have to worry about how they would defend themselves. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. If the Holy Spirit can change Peter from a man who in the garden of Gethsemane chopped off someone's ear because he was so het up, to a man who in the face of opposition and imprisonment is able to argue his case calmly, let us not doubt the power of the Holy Spirit to empower and change us or anyone else. I have a new question for you to think about. If you were a letter, what type of letter would you be? Perhaps a passive-aggressive post-it. If the milk carton is empty, it doesn't belong in the fridge. Thank you. Or perhaps you feel like a love letter, all positive words and cliches. Or perhaps you're more of a tweet. If it can't be said in 280 characters, It's not worth saying. And I ask you this because I read an article this week that took inspiration from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 3, where he says to them, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And I wondered, do I, or do we as a church, show that we are a letter written from Christ, with the Spirit pumping through us? Now, the church at Corinth, who Paul was writing to, had a few issues to say the least. Some have referred to Corinth as Sin City. Yet still, from the first letter where Paul warns against arrogance. And sexual immorality, they have become a church who represent Jesus because of their actions, who, if they were a letter, would be a letter of Christ. And that doesn't happen in their own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can it be said about us too that we are a letter from Christ? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit so that our actions and words? point to a living God and our living faith. I'm going to return to Peter, because as well as the disciple who made mistakes and the apostle with eloquent teaching, we also have Peter, the epistle writer, who shares wisdom and encouragement. Peter encourages Christians to steer a middle course between the dinosaur and the chameleon evangelistic extremes that I spoke about earlier. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. To be asked that question in the first place, you must be showing that there is hope in you. Then, don't be afraid. Be ready because you have been praying. Be ready because the Holy Spirit will empower you. We need to constantly ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and renew us. And asking the Holy Spirit to fill and renew us might have been a good place to end my sermon but I'm afraid I have a tiny bit more to say. Because even with the amazing filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering by the Holy Spirit, not everyone we speak to will be converted. Shucks, I know. But in the passage today, it says, many who heard the message believed. Many, but not all. And we can't let one person not hearing our message put us off. Don't be afraid. You can be an evangelist because the Holy Spirit will empower you. You can give an answer for the hope that is in you because the Holy Spirit will empower you. You can be a part of what God is doing now because the Holy Spirit will empower you. I believe the Holy Spirit can make us be bold no matter who or what we are facing. After Pentecost, we see Peter in a light we haven't seen before, from impulsive ear-chopper-offer to eloquent miracle-maker. This is one of many instances in Acts where Jesus' witnesses proclaim with a boldness that stems from the power of the Spirit. Under the intense atmosphere of investigation by rulers and elders, the Spirit's bold empowerment manifests itself. And at just the right time, the Spirit did it for Peter, and the Spirit will continue to do it for us. The Holy Spirit is both powerful and empowering. It can be unleashed like an amazing explosion on that first Pentecost, but it can also be harnessed and used by us. We have its power, and we can tap into it. We can use it to fill us as we live our lives. And so I think... That God has blessed us because we have access to that power, the power to overcome difficulties, the power to change, the power to become the finished product that he wants us to be, to be bold in declaring our faith, to become Christ-like. So let's not doubt the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It is my prayer that we all go away from this service today feeling empowered because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. This week, may we we be refilled and renewed so that we can be bold in sharing our faith in a way that is neither chameleon nor dinosaur. I pray that each of us knows that we are a part of what God is doing because the Holy Spirit lives in us. This week, may you be empowered in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Rachel. A lot there to think about. A lot there to pray through. And as well, a lot of encouragement. So thank, thank you. In response to the sermon, we're going to ha- I'm going to lead us in some intercessions first for those whose primary function within the church is to witness, to evangelize, to tell out the good news. So let, as we turn to prayer, let's pray first of all for our own church. For our leadership, for Peter, currently on holiday in Cornwall with his family, we ask uh, the Lord's blessing and refreshing on them. For Rachel and Sam, for Ursula, for Jeanette, and all the all the work she is doing, reaching out to families reaching out to school and for Rachel again as she shares in that work. Lord, we pray for the empowering of your Spirit on each one of those that we've prayed for, that we've mentioned before you. We ask, Lord, for your peace in their hearts, that they would hear your word, you would hear the words you are giving them, as you promised as they give an account for the hope that is, that is in them. And we pray for the anointing and the power of your Spirit, Lord, that their words to others would bear fruit, Lord, that people would be drawn to you. Lord, we were reminded that many, but not all, would come, but Lord, we long to see many come to you as a result of their ministry. Let's pray now for the witness of our wider church, for congregations up and down the country, for our leaders, and in particular, let's pray for Stephen Cottrell, the new who's just been instituted as the latest Archbishop of York, as a successor to John Santamnum. Let's pray for him, that the Spirit will anoint him, that he will speak your words powerfully, that you'll give him wisdom, you would give him deep insight into your word, but that you would move through him as we pray for all our bishops and archbishops in this country. Let's pray also for those who have gone out from this church, who who go out from this church to preach the gospel. For all our linked missionaries, wherever they may be, for Rachel, for Sarah, for Helen Vipas in in, um, Latvia, for Mike and Rachel Hill in Birmingham, for Susie and Martin Goodchild in their roving ministry, and for any others known to us. Let us pray for each one that they again may know the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the strength of the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit who stands alongside us and encourages us. So, Lord, thank you for them. Please bless them wherever they are today, whatever they're doing. Please keep them safe from disease. Please glorify yourself through them. Now, finally, let's pray for ourselves, for our own witness. And as Rachel was preaching, I I felt the Lord saying, and do test this um, before automatically applying this to yourselves. But I felt the Lord saying that one of the things we need to do is repent of the unbelief that, that you cannot use us. You give us the confidence, we were reminded. So, Lord, forgive us our unbelief. Lord, open our eyes to see that you... Lord Jesus, are, in thro- are alive in us by your Holy Spirit. And as we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we seek to be filled with you. So Lord, if we need to f- r- confess our unbelief, we do so. If we need to confess our lack of obedience, we do so. But Lord, we come into your presence as the one who has died for each one of our sins as the one who encourages us, Lord, as the one who fills us, the who, one who pours out his love and blessing on each one of us. So as the next song plays, which is more love, more power, let's just bring these to the, uh, these issues, bring ourselves to the Lord and ask him to fill us afresh. We ask to be filled with power, but we ask to be filled with love for those we meet so that we'll come to to them not as dinosaurs, not as chameleons, but with gentleness and respect, confident in the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Let's finish our uh, our time of prayer by praying together the prayer or the pattern of prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Our final song this morning is He is the Lord and He reigns on high with the chorus Show your power and send your power. Thank you for joining us this morning. As Tim Lomax used to say, it's been a privilege and an honour to worship God with you today. As we finish, a few verses from the end of Ephesians 3. And Paul says, he prays, that out of God's glorious riches he may strengthen us with power through his Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And he prays that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. And, And go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.